Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? Well, I'm excited. Yeah, just, you know, I know we talked about this at the beginning of the season. I think it was like by episode three. I don't know. I'm just, I'm so happy with the way these episodes have turned out. And I just wanted uh-huh. to carve out some time here at the top to say, you know, if you've been listening for the beginning of WandaVision, you know, thank you. This has been really, really cool to get excited with people. Yeah. And you know what? It's what was really cool. And again, Echo Trey, thank you. Um, but to have friends, we mentioned Daniel uh, and my brother, Daniel, uh, Sean, you know, I mentioned him and, and uh, the number of coworkers that has discovered the pod and will talk to me at work and have you watched it yet or when do you record and stuff like that. Uh, I do want to mention a coworker's nephew that's listening. Uh-huh. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Uh, it's really cool of you. Appreciate it. Um, and so it's just it's just cool because like we get to talk, but like the conversation for me, you know, I and mean, I'm sure for you, because mm-hmm. I know you tell me the people you text with uh, just keeps going. And that's been so much fun. Mm-hmm. And I like how it's converging a little bit, too, because I've told my share of stories with like Nick Sandy will text me. It's like, hey, uh, make room on that grain of sand. Like even people, yeah. your coworkers will yeah. jump in and say like, hey, I'm on Trey's side, too. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. I'll say more in the spoiler section. <laughs> so, uh, and not and not to forget the Discord, too, and everything that everybody's been doing in the Discord and Twitter and Instagram. It's It's been fun. Yeah. And, and so, and, and just to be clear, like, this isn't a, a wrap-up. Obviously, we're going to be pressing forward with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but it's always good to just take time to, to appreciate what we've done so far. Absolutely, yeah. Well, we're here. We are at the season finale of WandaVision, season one, episode nine, entitled The Series Finale. And we're going to get into it, but before we do, like we've been doing all season, we're going to have some pre-spoiler thoughts. Uh, When this concludes, we'll have an audio cue, and you'll know that we are going to be in the full spoiler zone. But before we get there, Jude, do you have any pre-spoiler thoughts? My pre-spoiler thoughts is, it's weird. I've been thinking about this all day, and knowing that we have a wrap-up episode as well, to try to talk about the whole series right as a whole and trying to think of like separating out my thoughts uh of the episode versus versus the entire uh series i really enjoyed this episode and i'll say this at least at this point it's made me really think about my approach to watching these episodes Uh uh-huh and and i'll get a little bit more to that on the other side and so it's made me think about that uh really hard and made me think about what to expect from Falcon of the Winter Soldier, She-Hulk as long format storytelling within the MCU when when feature length films is what we're used to. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? So I, I I'm right there with you. I enjoyed this episode. But for some, like, I can't completely articulate why I wasn't completely satisfied. And I think there is a little bit of what you're talking about, enjoying the long form versus the short form with the movies. So the best that I could do in this pre-spoiler thoughts, because obviously we'll get to it later, is, you know, clearly I'm a fan of the MCU overall, and I'm excited for what this means moving forward. But if I'm looking at just WandaVision, I don't know if this episode was satisfying enough to conclude the story they were telling this season. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And so that's where I'm at wrestling with trying to make that fit. Uh, And and I Uh think you said it best. Whenever we do our wrap-up series overall, 
hopefully I'll be a little bit more at ease with what's been put out so far. Right. All right. I think that's going to wrap up our pre-spoiler thoughts. Uh, so like we said, you're going to hear an audio cue. And on the other side, we're going to be getting into the spoiler zone. So we'll see you on the other side. All right, we're back. Like we've been doing all season, uh, we're going to be breaking this down into most important topics. The first one we're going to start with, this This episode was a little bit hard to kind of break up into different sections, but we're going to focus on the conflicts and then get to um, some of the resolutions at the end. So the first conflict we're going to be tackling is Vision versus the Vision. Uh-huh. Uh, huh. Okay, <laughs> so, so here's the thing. I knew going in and I... And it's one of those things like this was the one spoiler that I couldn't avoid, mm-hmm. which I think I'm glad I didn't avoid it, was the Paul Bettany walking back, his big cameo thing. Yeah. Um, but see, I actually, thinking about it now, I actually appreciate it, just uh-huh. the the humor he had of... Mm-hmm. Like someone I've always wanted to work with, and the big cameo, and like for, I actually appreciate that uh, because I knew going in. So wait, just just for my own understanding, you knew about the double vision going into the season. I knew no, no 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 going into the last episode. Oh okay, I got you, got you, got you. Like because I think it was like yesterday morning, he did an interview, and then I know like the director said because of fan theories, uh-huh. he's afraid people are going to be disappointed. Um, so I knew that going in. And so, like, I already knew the big cameo Bettany was referring to going into the final episode was uh-huh. himself. Yeah. So, so in that sense, it kind of blunted it a little bit, mm-hmm. if, that, if that makes sense, or, or blunted or tempered the expectations. Uh, I did find it funny, you know, Yeah. Uh, knowing ahead of time, um, but I still liked it. Like, I liked the whole vision on vision thing. Um, and, and he still, you run into this issue of like the whole reason why he, you know, in civil war in the big fight scene, you see him do stuff, but he could have single-handedly, you know, taken out the other side. Most definitely. Yeah. And, and so, and so they have to be very delicate with, with somebody super powered like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought they did, they did well with this. I, I really enjoyed their fight. I, I mean, it's like how an end game, clearly Dr. Strange is such a huge power level. And one of the ways they solve for that for a dramatic effect is they put him on tidal wave duties. Like that was what he was doing during that fight. So finding creative ways to handle that power balance has been a strength of the MCU. Yeah. And and speaking of the vision versus vision, like for me personally, like I'm a sucker for those duplicate fights. Like I loved how they yeah. handled it with Steve versus Steve in Endgame. Uh, and I, I liked it here just because it is, well, I mean, you see it in video games all the time, too, where you fight like a version of your character. And I like what it represents of skill for skill being matched and watching how that would play out. Yeah. I My favorite was actually the use of the phases. Yeah. The phasing in and out when you get the different holds and, and all that stuff. That was that was my favorite. Especially the way they kept doing it where one or the other would seem like they were flying away and then the person would phase through and grab their leg and pull them back in. That that was such a cool use. But it also did make me realize, now I understand why they had Corvus sneak up on Vision in Infinity Uh War because Uh he could have just phased when Thanos was going for the stone. (laughs) (laughs) So, Well, you know what? What I find interesting is... And you can say this is the whole series, but and 
this whole last episode, but for some reason, the vision versus vision really made me think of this. The special effects were really good. Like it really, you got the, you could tell that it was that theatrical budget, so to speak. Yeah, I mean that's what we've been talking about all season. How this this show looks phenomenal, which explains some of the shorter runtime. I'm glad that this episode got to look as great as it did and still have that 45 minute ish uh, runtime. Uh, of course, yeah. accounting for credits and stuff like that, but you know, much longer than what we've gotten so far in this season. Yeah. So what do you think about how they resolve that fight between the two visions? 100% love it. And I feel like it's like we're getting to have our cake and eat it too, because we were, I'm sure we're going to talk about it. I know it's in my notes. I think the MCU gets criticized a lot for how like, oh, you always have to have your big action piece at the end to like satisfy the, you know, being a action blockbuster. So yeah. we got to see that with vision versus vision, but. Also, the resolution we got felt very unique, and I love that it's handled with just a logic question. But what about you? How do you feel about it? Well, I mean, a, a couple of different things. First, um, <laughs> I talk about the ship of a thesis <laughs> or, or ship of Theseus with my students, um, and so like it, it was interesting because I was like, oh, "Is it really that simple <laughs> uh, of an answer?" Um, well, it depends. There's if you, if you lay out the scenario one way, okay. If you lay it out another way, okay. Uh, Vision was created strictly from Wanda, so they're not really the same, like in my mind. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, you know, and the white, the, the I guess so we call them the white Vision, the Vision all white, you know, or the sword Vision. How about that? The, the Hayward's Vision, uh, to me, was the actual Vision. Yeah. Uh, but I think that says something about me and how I would answer that philosophical question. Mm-hmm. To say that's the actual vision versus the other one, mm-hmm. um, you know, and probably reveals a little bit of me and where I set identity, uh, whether in that in that sense, like if we're going to say the Westview vision was more, well, I don't even think I say I said identity there, but like the the whole that that felt like more uh, cue this qualia the qualities right mm-hmm. of personality emotions memories that the sword vision didn't have access to. But for some reason, I kind of intuitively thought, no, that's the true vision. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so yeah. So in there, I, I found it, I found it really, I liked that they did it that way. I, I did find it very interesting. Yeah. You know, um, and then I was just left me with some questions. Like, did he sword vision, I guess, not get the memories of Westview uh, or in other words, let's put it this way. Was it a transfer of memories or did Westview Vision just activate memories? My read of the scene is, I like this distinction you're making, Westview Vision unlocked Sword Vision's recollections up until the point he died in Infinity War. And so that explains, mm-hmm. one, I think we're seeing this clear division of Sword Vision is that callous, everything that makes Vision Vision without the emotions. And uh-huh. Westview's vision is that emotional base side of him uh, that was stored in Wanda. And so because I'm even though with the distinction, I'm getting tripped up. I'm going slow here because sword vision only had those unlocked, but doesn't have Westview memories. That's what allowed him to fly away with no weight to what was going on inside Westview. 
Because if it was like 100% old vision, you would think that he would be there to help fight with Wanda and the kids, right? Right. Well, and that's the thing. Like, he split, right? And uh, he knew Wanda was there. Yeah. So, like, he almost crushed her skull. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so it was just weird on the split. Was that... I'm trying to trying to figure out, do I feel like that was just kind of convenient writing? Okay, I'm gone. Or... You know, what was the real motivation for leaving there, mm-hmm. if, if that makes sense? Setting up the next yeah, story so, arc in the MCU. <laughs> well, yeah, there's an element of setting up that next story yeah. arc, but, but you know, it's just, uh, well, I mean, clearly now, you know, Agatha versus Wanda and two visions, mm-hmm. you know, and so there's a there's a convenience factor there, but, but thinking about just that character motivation is like, he wouldn't have the attachment, and just because he has the memories... That memories is just, I would think, to let him know that he's the he's the true vision. So, I, I did have a question in my notes: Did he leave to destroy himself? Well, I can read what mine said: Is uh, where does White Vision go? Wakanda, Mars? I know his story is being set up for future appearances, but it's weird that he never gets addressed again. Right. And this question that we're having, it's fun because you know we have the podcast and we get to talk about all this, but. This is what I'm talking about when I say I'm excited as an MCU fan because we know more's coming. But when I look at WandaVision overall, this is where I'm left feeling unsatisfied because it doesn't feel like a resolution to the story that they were telling with these right. two visions. Yeah. You know. Well, and and you get a resolution with one with one of the visions. Right. I mean I mean you do. Mm-hmm. And in the end, um, when he, you know, kind of unrenders, uh, so to speak. Uh-huh you get, there is a resolution. Like, and it was a fantastic line. Uh, the lines between them, you know, in terms of we said goodbye before, we'll say hello again. All of that was great resolution. Yeah. But they did introduce another vision that, okay, so this time Hayward lost the super bot? Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, like that's, It's a telephone game of super Android. <laughs> I know, right? Um, now, I would be really curious because he has all those memories. If they are setting up Ultron down the line. I was so desperately hoping that your friend was going to be right with the Ultron theory. And that when he first spoke, we were going to hear uh, Spader's voice. James Spader. Yeah. Yeah. So like that, I mean, that's a possibility, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and and they could be doing that. You know, I, I, how do I want to say this? Well, clearly the MCU stuck now with sword vision. Right. You know, and so I feel like they have plans for him and they didn't just, we're going to grab sword vision for the sake of giving vision someone to fight. Right. Yeah. Right. Just like, uh, and so I'm, I'm expecting to see him again. Yeah. I'm very curious to see where he's going to show up. Um, I feel like the natural reach would be Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness, but dealing with vision and his identity doesn't feel like, a topic that the next Doctor Strange would tackle. Um, the theory that I like so far that I saw in the subreddit is that maybe the possibility of him showing up in Armored Wars because technically he is Stark property in tech. Uh-huh. So okay. maybe we could see him there. Yeah. Another thing that I wanted to bring up is you already kind of hinted at it a little bit. We saw at the beginning when White Vision first confronts Wanda. Uh, you know, it looks like it's a very loving moment because he says her name affectionately, and then we get the right. reveal of him trying to crush her skull. And, you know, and so that's his first directive is to neutralize her. 
And then we also see that he he mentions to Westview Vision, my prime directive is to destroy the Vision. Right. My only question that I had from this is, can Westview Vision be destroyed? Or is it because of that directive of destroying it, that's where he was trying to take out Wanda using the logic that if you take out Wanda, you take out Westview Vision? I guess what I was trying to get at is like, what, how do you destroy a memory made real, to use their words? Yeah. No, no, no. That's a good... Huh. Because he did go to Wanda first. Yeah. And then Vision... You know, and it could again, it could be for that moment. And if that's the case, I'm fine with it because the moment worked. Uh huh. But the moment of vision showing up, because the last yeah. time we see him was in the um, the 2000s episode, right? Yes. And he's doing the the interview and decides, ah, you know, what am I doing? And then goes. <laughs> so that's the reason why they did it. It's a great moment. I love it, and it works, right? Uh huh. Um, but you're right. It does. You know. If you get rid of Wanda, you get rid of the source, you know. Um, also, it, it I think it showed to a certain degree what Hayward knew and didn't know. Because, mm-hmm. like, clearly he didn't know about Agatha. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I'm trying to think now if we ever got Hayward recognizing Agatha at all. Because I know they had that episode where they were going through the TV show and showing who was who and they never got one for Agatha. But it seems interesting to me that Hayward never addresses them. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is broadcast wise, he would have only seen Agnes. True. Yeah. Because, because, yeah, that Agatha reveal came in the one they weren't even broadcasting. You know, and I just this just came to me. I know we haven't gotten there yet, but I was thinking about Agatha's fate at the end of this episode and what that would mean. But Hayward specifically mentions that Wanda stopped the broadcast. So there's no recorded evidence of what was going on that helps. Right. Keep Agatha in the relatively unknown space of the MCU world. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that wraps up for our vision versus vision section of the pod. Uh, We'll have more to say with vision once we get to the end with some of the reconciliation. But for now, we're going to be moving on to an important topic I've called Rogue Trio's shenanigans. So this is going to encapsulate a lot of the side stories we got wrapped up with Monica, Wu, and Darcy. So the first place that I want to start is with Monica. And... Specifically, the Pietro Ralph conundrum. This this is where this episode started to feel really unsatisfying for me, and I'm trying really hard because I don't want. I I know I can already see the pushback's going to be like, oh, we let fan speculation get too far ahead of us, but I don't think we did too much speculation on what Pietro was. Like, well, no, I can't say that because we did talk about the X-Men universe stuff, yeah. but well, OK, like you're right. I don't I don't remember talking about Fietro other than like that was my grain of sand that I stayed. Yeah. On, right. With the with the X-Men. And so you're right. I We never I don't say never, but we didn't really fully explore the the possibilities. Right. So like the in credits, he shows up and says Snooper's going to snoop. Yeah. And we kind of complained a little bit about all of a sudden an end credit showing up. And the purpose of that is to get Monica to a particular place. Yeah. Right. Which they did. All of a sudden she shows up banging on the window. Mm -hmm. But how on that alone is still, at least for me, wasn't clear necessarily who that was. Right. And I would say they elaborated a little bit more when you get the Fietro, then it's like, okay, mm-hmm. my grain of sand got washed away. But <laughs> I held on to it, but still. Yeah, I think uh, both our grains of sand <laughs> definitely got washed away. But 
I guess what I'm trying to get at as disappointing is it's they never really follow up with who he is. And not again, not just in the sense of like, oh, is this X-Men canon? But like, what was the point of having his character? You know, who is he in relation to Agatha? Because clearly she was manipulating him. He, she was the one who created that story about them being in a relationship because he refers to her as the missus. She's constantly referred to Ralph as her husband. It it felt like there was more there. And to only have this scene where Monica finds out that you're not Pietro, you're, um, for the lowbrow joke, Ralph Boner. I don't know. I'm really shocked that they never came back to this. Yeah, it's... Huh. I'm actually okay with the story stunt casting yeah so like my brother hated it right he, <laughs> to find out it was stunt casting it was just he's like i'm really annoyed about the evan peters casting yeah um you know and that was just to quote his text but like i don't think it works if you don't do that right because like if you do the whole tv sitcom recast bit and it's not evan peters and it's not aaron taylor johnson that you automatically know. There's no question. There's no, who is this? You, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's no, th there's such misdirect, right? So like my other coworker who emailed me and I sent you the screenshot, right? And he's like, I'm on that grain of sand with Trey. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh, okay. Daniel, <laughs> not my brother. A few minutes ago, like we're just getting rolling and he says, no more grains of sand. And make sure you tell him I said that. <laughs> that is the most villainous delivered line. <laughs> no more grains of sand. It's like when Thanos says no resurrections this time. <laughs> oh, I love it. <sighs> it's okay. My grain of sand's gone too. Um, but no, like the reason why my other co he said, he was like, this show has so many misdirects, mm -hmm. right? And like they're trying to, t you know, so he's like, I'm going to go out of that grain of sand with Trey. For that reason, he's like, this has to be a mystery. Yeah. Right. Because they just do so many of them that, I mean, you cast anybody else, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so like, you had to do that casting in that way. Again, as Rob said it on our last episode, you know, hang on to that grain of sand because the MCU is the MCU and they can always come back and do something with mm -hmm. it. Even if they don't, that was really the only way to go. Yeah. If you're not going to bring Aaron Taylor Johnson back. Yeah. I think you were definitely secure in holding on to your grain of sand for for however long because it does feel like there's hanging threads there because monica's revelation comes from looking at the bill uh that's where she gets the name and then she finds what i think is like a headshot who because whoever ralph is prior to the westview incident uh, clearly he had a life before this and he just randomly had a headshot of himself with his name on there and that got me thinking, are we supposed to infer that he was Wu's missing person? Something else that doesn't get resolved. I was wondering that too. Yeah. I, I wonder if that was what we were supposed to pick from that. I did. I shift over because this episode shifted over from Dottie to wondering, okay, is it Evan Peters? Um, but that is another one of those things where Marvel does a good job of, of having things they can pull on. Uh -huh. And because it's unresolved, they could go back and pull on yes. this, you know. So my issues was how Monica escaped. I had a problem with that. Now, again, it it works, right? Like the whole show works. Mm -hmm. And again, this is where the struggle for me of looking at this episode as a standalone versus within the whole context. Right. You know, and, and it's looking at this as a standalone that, that makes me have pause and reservations. When I look at the whole context, like the whole thing works. 
but it's like we just saw him use that super speed and do the little flick of the finger and knock her down. And then so for her to be able to take him down that easily and him to be kind of scared. Bef- what, after she takes the necklace off or? Well, he already had kind of a scared, you know, don't hurt me. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. As she was getting the necklace. And it was like, no, you just had super speed mm-hmm. and just did the flick and knocked her down. What What changed? That is a weird dynamic shift. And so and so it's that just kind of didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. You know. Now, I get it like you had to have him be threatening. It was an interesting choice to go with super speed cuz you even asked it was like did he get super speed or did he already have it and and Agnes was controlling him? Right. Right. And so so yeah, and so and I mean that aside, it just that was kind of weird, yeah. you know. I I did find it humorous and and we already kind of alluded to it about Agnes's fate. I'm assuming she's going to continue being with Ralph. I hadn't thought. Of, well, I'm not sure because Monica. Well, I guess he's free. Yeah, Monica removes the necklace. But I mean, she's now Agnes, and that's who Agnes is with. Right. Uh, the only thing I would say to that is that we did see Monica remove the necklace. So we know at least he's free. But I can see your point where maybe in her mind, she's still. Yeah. Which, what a tragic flip where she's so indifferent. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> indifferent to Ralph. And now she's going to be pining over him. <laughs> oh. But the, yes, the Evan Peters saying, I think, did work for me mm-hmm. really, really well. I guess because I try not to go too far into those wild speculations. Like, I try and stick within what the text is giving us. And so that it doesn't disappoint me that he's not X-Men canon. Like I'm I'm fine with that. I just I really want to know more about who he is in the context of the show, because you touched on something that we texted about a little bit of. I don't think Agnes or Wanda has the ability. Maybe Wanda does, but I don't think Agnes has the ability to grant people powers just manipulate them. Uh-huh. So we see that she was clearly manipulating Ralph. My read of that would be that he inherently had the super speed prior to her interference. And so right. I want to know who he is outside of Westview. And I hope that isn't just another beekeeper that we never get to see again. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Me too. So that's, that's um, I guess to bring back to my point, that's why I'm saying I think you should hold on to your grain of sand. But see, even, let's say, let's okay, so we're finding a way for me to hold on to my grain of sand. Yeah. Even if I grant that that's gone away, like how fun would it be if they brought back the one shot and it was just like, a, you know, like the Thor Daryl style, but one shot of Ralph <laughs> at home. Like that would be so funny. I mean, he looked like he had a pretty cool man cave. I'm pretty sure he'd get into some shenanigans. <laughs> right? Like, let's take it. <laughs> All right. You won me over. I'm back for one shots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, okay, so we're doing, we're we're in the segment with the rogue tree. Yes. Do we want to stick with Monica and kind of finish out talking about her story, or do we want to move over to Wu and talk about him and come back to Monica? No, I, I think we can go ahead and move on to Agent Wu. We do have a little bit more to tackle with Monica. Uh, we can get that in some of the other sections and straight thoughts. Okay, okay. So just to kind of give a broad overview with Agent Wu, uh, we see that he's been apprehended back at Sword Base. Uh, Hayward tries to monologue on him, but uh, Wu is able to flip it on him and call in some reinforcements and bring in the FBI. I like the Hayward failed monologue. So I could read exactly what I wrote. Hayward is a cheesy supervillain in a world that doesn't buy into it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, just the whole lax vision and 
and just the way it was delivered, it was great. And it shows how great of a person Wu is because he's like, oh, that's yeah. a good one. <laughs> <laughs> well, like it is. He almost had me convinced, but my Quantico wanted to be here in the hour. You know, like Wu's the kind of person that like if Hayward doesn't try and shoot a kid, I could see Wu totally trying to be like, all right, here's how we can work on your monologuing together. <laughs> <laughs> so... Again, this is the whole suspension of disbelief thing, and I know there, but this is what popped into my head was, well, and, and here's the thing, right? So, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, no, no, let's just stick with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., not the show, but literally Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. In Winter Soldier, some were Hydra and some weren't. Mm-hmm. And you saw that standoff. And Hayward's openly like, yeah, I can get away with this as an interim director, you know, that has provisional authority. But it's like, so are all the people in S.W.O.R.D. that are there just with them? Like, are they really just following orders and we buy that? Or do they just like, you know what I mean? Like, like so that was a bit of a struggle for me. Um, I guess there's different factions at S.W.O.R.D. because you D.C. the group that was like, wasn't loyal to Hayward. Right. You know? But if that's the case where there's groups at S.W.O.R.D. that's not loyal to Hayward, and help Monica, and then everybody there we can assume is loyal to Hayward, you almost have another, well, what some people didn't want, going back to that well. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, so so it was just it was just kind of, that, that just kind of stood out to me. Yeah, and I can elaborate a little bit more, because you, you mentioned how Major Goodner refers to that, like, not everybody, you know, or what is it, everybody's still not loyal, just loyal to your mother. To- yeah. yeah, and uh, inferring that there's like factions, Goodner's with the Air Force, so uh-huh. it's not even a part of. I don't think it's a part of Sword. I think Sword's its own thing. Uh-huh. So I think you are correct in that. Like we're seeing a retread of Sword is kind of going that villainous route, unless at some point we do see like, no, this is just kind of a rogue faction of Hayward. Yeah, and so like, and I get it, like, like it's not terrible, but it was a subplot that's like. What? <laughs> just a just a little bit, you know. Um, I don't know. I liked the woo misdirect uh, to get the phone. I loved that he said flourish. Yeah. Um, I didn't think that was cheesy. I think that was awesome. I loved like the whole making the call to so it's, to kind of back up his bluff. Yeah. You know, I, I need I need you here. Can you be here within the hour? Like like it was great. You know. Um, so so I did. I loved I loved that sequence. Uh, and I'm glad we got to see Wu again. Me too. It does feel like the reason why I group this rogue trio shenanigans together is that it does feel like in a jam-packed episode, we're lucky we got as much as we did with them. And I I would have liked to have seen more with Wu. Like we already talked about like his missing person never comes back into play. I would have loved to have seen some resolution with him there. But for the little bit of woo that we got, it's really, really effective. And I think to to elaborate a little bit more on what you were saying with his backing up his bluff, I think it shows how great of a character he is that he's able to stand up to Hayward and and be like, oh man, Quantico is going to be here within an hour. You know, things are going to go bad for you. And he stands firm. And then we see that next scene where he's calling in. He's like, hey, Cliff, you think you could be here in an hour? <laughs> and so I like that. It's it's a great, like, overview of the kind of person he is in one scene. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? You're right. So with this rogue trio, like, they did a good job of each of them having their moment. Like, you didn't... They didn't fall to the side and get and get lost. Up until this point, I would agree with you. I, I think we can kind of transition to it a little bit now. 
Dr. Lewis, I'm very disappointed that her, <laughs> all I have for my Dr. Lewis notes is have fun in prison. Like that's all she really got to contribute to this end. Yeah. And I, I just wish we would have seen more. And it, it is a, it's a victim of that. You only have so much time to wrap up a story that's only one season long. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I guess to that, you know, to that degree, in fact, after that, you don't see her again right. at all. And they and they use a line to, to explain it, uh-huh. um, debriefs her for the week, so, which does feel like a Dr. Lewis line, but we didn't get to hear her say it's it. It's true, yeah. Maybe Kat Dennings, uh, you know, commands a very high price, and <laughs> they just had to, uh-huh. <laughs> to use her where they could. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, I, but it's still... I like that she had her moment. Yeah. You know, and, and I get I get your point to say that it wasn't much of a moment for as much as, well, I mean, she was the one who discovered the signal. Mm-hmm. She was the idea with the radio. For as much as she contributed for that moment or to have such little screen time in the final episode, uh-huh. uh, I, I, I understand your point. And especially, um, like, she was championing to Vision, y'all's love is real. You would think that she would get to have at least one more scene with Vision or even Wanda. And it just, it's, like I said, right. a, a victim of the format and the limited time. Yeah. So talked about Wu, talked about Dr. Lewis, circling back to Monica and the kids. Yeah. Let's uh, let's let's talk about that moment and transition to the because our last important topic. Well, not last important topic. Our next important topic is going to be one of Zagatha. But I think circling yeah. back to that would be good. Okay. Cool. So just a brief overview. Um, as all the conflict's going on, we see that the kids are joining in the fight to help keep the military at bay. Uh, after they take them out, they're celebrating and don't realize that Hayward wasn't put into stasis. And he just starts opening fire. And that's where Monica is able to intervene and show off some of her powers to save the kids. So Okay, so the first question that comes to mind, just because of the way the setup went, and I want to say it, but I think also it should be put a pin in it and we'll revisit it in just a minute. Did she lose? Because this is also kind of kind of goes more with the Wanda's reconciliation and, and, and stuff. But did she lose? I don't think it was clear. I think we're supposed to think she still has her powers, but she got them from the Hex. Did she lose them when the Hex went away? I My read is no. Yeah. I, like, I don't think so. But because of what we know what happened with Vision, because we know what happened with the kids, and as the Hex went away, everything turned back. It made me wonder. It's like, oh, did she, did she lose him? Um, I don't think so. I hope not. Yeah. But but that did pop into my mind. So I was just, you know, man. I think you just tipped me into another reason why this felt so unsatisfying, despite liking it. There is that plot line of what the hex does to the person coming in and out, and we don't see any ramifications of what that is doing to the Westview residents. No. Maybe we get that. It's hard to imagine which movie's going to tackle that. Maybe we get another season. It's it's just it feels like it's a plot line that got dropped. And the same way that I can say no, Monica probably has her powers is the same way that I felt an Infinity War knowing characters were going to come back that got snapped because this is a large machine that keeps rolling. Right. And so we know right. we know Monica's going to come back in other movies. But that doesn't feel, I don't know, again, I, I guess I keep going back there. I just wish it would have been explored a little bit more. Yeah. That being said, that was a really cool use of Monica's powers. Because I only had like a vague understanding. Uh, you you mentioned some of it. Nick Sandy mentioned some of it. A lot, a lot about uh-huh. like energy absorption. 
Yeah. I didn't take that as like actual projectile absorbs- absorption, which uh-huh. is really cool. And I like the way that played yeah. out. Yeah. And it's interesting. So like in the comic, she goes by Photon, uh, which they clearly reference with her mom. Uh, I think we mentioned that before. Or Spectrum. I think Spectrum is the way they were going mm-hmm. in terms of that energy um, or that use of the powers and this this energy that she does and is able to um, control and the different waves of the spectrum, right? Right. Um, X-rays, violet, you know, all of those different waves and, and kind of things like that. Um, and so it was a really cool use of that power. Yeah. And, and visually just to show it. it. It is wild to me that Hayward goes from being this person like, okay, we can kind of sympathize and sympathize with him a little bit. He's, he's illustrating what it was like to be in the snap. Uh, or live in the post-snap world. Uh, you could understand his reasoning there. And then he just becomes full-on villain shooting the kids. Like, yeah, the, any any path of redemption they had for him is just completely out the window. And I'm not right. even sure if I understand why he just started he shooting shoot the, kids. the kid. Yeah. Yeah, because again, outside of what he saw in the broadcast, it's not clear that motivation. Yeah. You know, I mean, in other words, like you didn't see the kids do anything and the episode, well, I guess the Malcolm in the Middle episode, he did see them get powers. Yeah. And I guess that is that's hero prejudice coming in the play. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, OK. And here's the other thing. And I and I hate this because I feel like I undercut. I, I feel like I feel like they as cool as Monica's moment was, they they undercut it in, in two ways. OK. Um. And when Billy was able to stop one of the bullets, it was like, my thought was like, oh, so Monica didn't need to do that. <laughs> you know, it, like, well, that, like it just, it was like, wait, he's, he was capable of stopping him. Why? You know? And, and, and so like that popped into my head. And so like that moment, we know he has powers. I don't outside of the, the line. Hey, I like your tricks. It wasn't necessary. And I felt like it undercut what Monica did. Well, from my perspective, it looked like Monica stopped a lot of the bullets that were on speed side. And maybe that's just a commentary on Quicksilver not making it out of Age of Ultron. Oh, that's you know what? That's so much better because I took it as Hayward was a terrible shot like because it looked like it looked like she was standing between them. And it was like he was going to miss anyways. And so that was the other place where we just kind of undercut of like. You didn't really need to because Hayward can't hit anything. Like, <laughs> He's so, the MCU stormtrooper. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And, and, and again, I loved it because you want your characters to have those moments, right? Mm-hmm. And it was a great moment. Um, she brought helped bring these kids to the world, like give, help want to give birth, right? Right. And so yeah. to be there to take care of them in that way, like this is like – if we don't get to see these kids somewhere down the line, say Auntie Monica, like that's going to be an unbelievable disappointment. Right. But it doesn't change the fact that Hayward's a terrible shot. And so in, in that way, so I'm glad you took it as if like, you know, Billy, to use Pietro's words, a chip off the old Maximoff block, super speed, and can't get out of the way of bullets. <laughs> I, I like your read better. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
one last thing to say. Can you I know, say something we, real quick. Go for it. My allergies have been bothering me all day. <laughs> and I noticed, like, I had to get home from work and just shower just to, like, try to make it better. And my nose is so stopped up, so I can't tell I'm so what glad I you, sound like at all. I'm so glad you said something. <laughs> it's so bothering me. Because in that last little bit, I was already, because it's my week to edit, I was thinking, like, this is, how can I edit around some of these sniffles? <laughs> <laughs> So now I got a free pass. If you got, if you hear a sniffles, <laughs> that's why. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's like March is like clockwork for me. Yeah. So like this time last year, people were doing a mad rush on toilet paper and we were getting close to the lockdown. Uh-huh. And I remember the first Friday of lockdown. So like for, for my school, Wednesday before spring break was the last day. We didn't go to school on Thursday and Friday. And I got so worried because I had, my allergy stuff. And I called the doctor on Friday. They're like, well, as long as you don't get a feeder over the weekend, I think you'll be okay. Normally we just say it's a sinus infection, but like clockwork March comes around and it's just, it's terrible. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. You're fine. <laughs> and, I hope, I hope again, you get the feeling kept talking about my one another coworker, you know, was just talking about how, how awesome we sounded. And now I'm just like <laughs> the very next episode. It's like, a Flonase commercial. Like, it's terrible. I'm so glad you said something because when you texted, we're so off the rails. When you texted me and your coworkers were complimenting us about like, oh, you two sound so professional and everything. My first thought was, well, clearly it didn't start from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. They haven't gone through the backlog yet. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, bringing us back into the episode, you know, that was to transition us into this next important topic, which is... Wanda versus Agatha. Now, clearly this is going to encompass so much of the bulk of the episode, which is that confrontation between them two. So to start off, uh, I'll start here. It finally makes sense to me why it was so pertinent for Agatha to keep the charade going. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I, I brought up some questions, I think off podcast. I don't think we got to talk about this last week. No, Rob did, where uh-huh. she talked about how she was trying to nudge Wanda out of it. Right. And that didn't make sense because she seemed to be really focused on doing stuff with like for the children or courting techniques in that first episode. So there was a conflict there. But it made sense to me in this episode that the reason she was trying to do that is because I think this play for Wanda's power was always something that Agatha wanted. But she needed Uh that bargaining chip of Wanda creating something she wouldn't be willing to give up in exchange for the powers. So whenever right. she's able to throw it at her face of like, go ahead, get rid of the hex. You've tied your family to this. It's impossible. Just give me your powers and I'll let you keep your yeah. little corner of the world. Yeah. Well, and it really shows how well orchestrated <laughs> <laughs> uh, Agnes was. <laughs> On that point, I think uh, I don't think I can no. go much longer in this episode without saying, I need to just say unequivocally, I was wrong. There is no, <laughs> there's no yeah. grain of sand. Yeah. Wanda fully did this. If I don't say that, I might find myself at the stake. <laughs> the the podcast version of the witch trial. Uh, no, but like, okay, like clearly, and I, and I mean, I use that kind of tongue in cheek, but, but like she knew that was vision, your vision. She manipulated vision in that episode, but like she had to have some idea. Because like you said, she's trying to get for the children, trying to get the children. And it, it's like she's she needed Wanda to use her powers at like full strength, it seemed like, to drain them. Yes. And so in that way, it seemed like she did know 
like I need to put I like I need to push her over the edge again. And so in that way, yeah, there was that manipulation of trying to get to the kids, killing Sparky, mm. um, you know, uh, but I mean, doing all that right uh, to push to get in good. So she the kids would go over to the house like like so there, there was a little bit of all of that um, mm-hmm. on her part behind the scenes. So it wasn't clear, I think, how much she knew that that's why Wanda did it. But that's definitely the way I feel like definitely way, way from the beginning. She was trying to to get her to to start revealing powers again, talking about this fight. Like one, we talked about how cool the vision versus vision was. I I really enjoyed this Agatha versus Wanda fight, the way they were just constantly moving uh-huh. throughout the air or moving to the ground level, the way their magic would come into play. Specifically, one of the effects they were doing on Wanda with her power being drained and that being represented in her hands just becoming blackened and like uh-huh. corpsified. That was so gruesome. And I was just, I love the visual things they were doing to show the progression of that fight. Well, and it showed that there was a cost. That was the thing. What I loved about it is with that, with that visual of the hands and being that corpsified, I love that you used that word, but it showed that there was, when Wanda had to fight, but we all knew that there was a cost. Every time she fought, Agatha, I'm going to say had the potential to get stronger. Mm-hmm. And Wanda weaker. Yeah, and that was that. That really because like my first note was picked up right where we left off. This is basically the final boss fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unlike the other final boss fights that you normally see, there was a cost involved, and that I thought was something that was really unique that you don't see often. Mm-hmm. Well, we even talked about this when we ran through our Iron Man movies, where. We liked the first one and the third one because of the way those quote unquote final boss fights played into the story that they were telling. And we Uh didn't like the second one because it felt like a checklist rather than resonating with the story they were telling. Right. You hit the nail on the head with that that cost. There's stakes here. We understand what's going on of Wanda being pushed to I have to defend my family every time I do. I get weaker, though. And so uh-huh. it's almost like a microcosm of that, you know, she has this power, but she almost has to give it up to move forward. And we see that that's where she's getting to with the children and vision. Right. Giving well, them up by the end. Well, it's super early in the beginning. We had sword vision, right? We talked about and Westview vision and Westview vision. Wanda have that interaction about this is our home fight for our home and vision Westview vision asks. Or, well, actually, Wanda says, I can fix it. And Westview Vision says, can you? And and I love it because in that first, huh, in my first watch, I took that can you as like in a physical way, if that makes sense. Yeah. But the second watch, it was very much, I think, how how Jack Safer intended in a emotional way. Mm-hmm. Like, like Vision knew at that point what was going to be required. Yeah. And so that can you was more of like, yeah, you have the capability of fixing it, but are you going to be able to? Mm-hmm. Like, are you going to be able to give up what you need to give up to fix things? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like that they established that very early on. Yeah. Again, the stakes. So another thing that I'm really interested in from this fight is, you know, Rob Rob talked about it last week, and I think it's my the closest I can get to kind of like a white flag of something like to hold on to. You know, Wanda clearly did this, but it's nice that they took the time to show that none of this was ever maliciously done. Like she never 
she was never like to to heck with these people. I want Vision back, so I'm going to take over this corner. Everything just kind of abrupted out of her control. And so by the end of this, we see that she owns up to it as well. She doesn't have like a full on I'm sorry moment, but she kind of like excludes herself from everybody by the end. What we uh-huh. see where she flies away. I still like that it feels like they're flirting with this idea of her being a potential antagonist. Um, right. You know, Agatha reveals more about that Scarlet Witch lore. Um, she she says something to the extent of, you know, the Scarlet Witch isn't born. They're forged. Um, they're more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme. They're destined to destroy the world. So right. I like that because it's setting up this storyline where these are all the things that Wanda is being told that she's supposed to be with this power that she has. And so we're going to see her have to fight against that while searching for knowledge. And I like that potential hook that they have. So we're going to see, I know in the comics that she had a brief stint as more of an antagonistic character. I like that we're going to get to see that walk the fine line between either going into that antagonistic side or learning how to use her powers better. Right. Well, and it's interesting too, because for the most part, this, and this is where I loved Agatha as a, as a character for the most part, we shouldn't believe what Agatha says, mm-hmm. but it's completely believable that, Oh, you know, you were forged, right? Is that right? Yeah, you're yeah. forged, and and then the whole, um, you know, destroy. You know, you're here to destroy the world, kind of thing. Like, like you could play that off as, oh, that's just a lie, but no, like it was completely believable. Like, mm-hmm. this is not actually going to be a good thing. Like, what you had to turn into to win, so to speak. Right. I mean, because she even clearly says, like, you don't know what you just did. You've you've set like almost that like you've set in motion yeah. things that are going to be destructive. And I think it is Agatha's fear that makes her the most trustworthy in this moment uh-huh. because because uh, <laughs> believe me, I dug a, myself a hole this whole season, not trusting a single thing Agatha said. Uh-huh. But it's because that always felt like it was lies coming from an upper hand. This felt like fear coming from a losing hand where she's got nothing left to lose and she's trying to, like, bargain with Wanda. Right. Well, what's the lie? There's nothing more scary than the person you're afraid of being afraid? Or right. Yeah. And, and like, that's... And that, and you're right. Agatha says that out of fear. So I do love the callback to Age of Ultron. Yeah. Where she comes up behind and does the little hand wave uh-huh. and messes with her head. Yeah. You know, like, I, I really love that they did that call back there. And then there was this, you know, it was like, wow, like Agatha is really powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, she was able to t- turn Wanda's own illusion against her. Yeah. And, and it helped illustrate more of that original scene we saw last episode because we talked about it where we didn't know because of how great Catherine Hahn is. Is she actually afraid? Has she always been in control? Because she's like, she has that smug look on her face. Right. Seeing us revisit this scene and she still has that smug look on her face where she, I, like you said, turns Wanda's illusion on her. I don't know. It's 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 very hard to get Agatha in a place of vulnerability, uh, uh-huh. which, which I think, yeah. which I'm trying to remember my sequence of events that might conflict a little bit with what we just said, but it shows you... When she does get to that place of fear, I think at the end, right before Wanda seals her fate of, you know, warning her of you don't know what you're doing. Right. No, that was at the end. Uh, I also want to say, and I'm bringing up that scene just so I can point out um, how I was right. Um, (laughs) Well, 
because I mentioned with the episode with Rob about how this is probably how she's going to get the red crown. It's going to be that magic yeah. that turns in. And I'm going to cling to that since the other greatest hand went away. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that was cool. I liked the way that happened, that use of that scene, uh, especially because it was so elaborate at the beginning of you got Agnes's backstory, but to be able to bring it back in a meaningful way and spin it, mm-hmm. that was really cool. I do like that we get this line, uh, I believe it's Wanda, as she as Agatha's on the stake, Wanda's kind of circling around talking her, talking to her, and I believe she says something to the extent of, the difference between you and me is that you did this on purpose, referring to obviously the right. coven being drained of their power. Right. I think this leans in a little bit more into what I was feeling with Liking the episode overall, but not sitting well with how it fits for the story they were trying to tell. Uh It feels like the lesson is learned because Wanda recognizes that she's wrong. She recognized that what she did to these people's wrongs, but it doesn't feel like we get to see the growth from it because this ends with her going off to try and get a hold of those powers. And so to illustrate that a little bit more, I think if we jump back to a scene prior where Agatha, quote unquote, cuts the strings off of Wanda's meat puppets. Yeah. This is where it really illustrated for me because, you know, Agatha states, Wanda, your problem isn't a power problem. It's a knowledge problem. So with all her power, she accidentally creates this intricate world but she doesn't realize she's doing it and is not even able to admit that she does. Right. But then when they confront her, all the citizens confront her by saying, like, I have your nightmares when I sleep. Will you just let my kids out? Like all these little things. Yeah. She's able to say, no, 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 no. I, you know, you're at peace. I made sure everyone was OK. So she's recognizing it there. There's this clear chaotic feel which goes in line with, you know, the chaos magic. But it doesn't sit right with me that if you start where Wanda is at the beginning of the season to where she is at the end. It's still, it's like I said, she's learned that what she's done is wrong. I wish this show would have shown a little bit more of learning to control that power. And that uh-huh. would have, I think would have been a little bit more satisfying to me. And again, yeah. I think it is a nature of the beast because we know the MCU always keeps moving forward. We're, we're going to probably see more of it based on the end tag that we saw. It just, I wish they would have had some service to that within this episode itself. No, and that makes sense, right? I mean, when you mm-hmm. consider they swarm her, she gets overwhelmed, uh-huh. screams, they start to get choked, and she realizes what's happening, right? So right. I think in that moment, they they tried to give you what you're asking for. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so like, like when they awoke, when Dottie awoke and, and all that, they had this like, it was weird because you could almost imagine they're functioning like zombies, like in this autopilot. Yeah. But then once they were all awake, they collapsed on her like you would imagine getting overwhelmed in a zombie movie. Yeah. Um, and what was really cool about that, go back to the Halloween spooktacular, uh, what they had at the town at the town square playing in the background was Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. And the moment that she freezed everything to save Vision was also the moment when a zombie was finally breaking into the house. Yeah. So it was a cool moment, but then so so for me to come back and see that kind of overwhelming numbers was was really cool, and then but you see her reaction, right to that, and it was a scream, and then like she tried to to choke him, mm-hmm. and had this realization of like, no, this is what Agatha wants me to do. She wants me to use my powers to drain it, and and so. She was aware of that and able to stop. So I, I feel like they were trying to do 
Uh, and I get why you that wouldn't be satisfying, but I think they were trying to show that growth mm-hmm. in doing that. I can see that being a pushback to that feeling. And then also look at the resolution to the Agatha and Wanda fight. Wanda uses the ruins to entrap uh, Agatha. And so right. there's some learning there. It's just, I hope you're okay with this. You and I actually, we had to stop mid-podcast recording because we had some technical difficulties. And yeah. before we started, we had a little bit of a discussion. And you said something that I want to bring up here in that, you know, traditionally what you would see is these plot lines would be taken into like a season two, right? so to speak. But because, again, the nature of that MCU beast, there isn't, most likely, I don't think there's going to be a season two for WandaVision. This isn't the end of the characters, but from start to finish, if this is what we get of WandaVision, that's where it, like, it doesn't feel like it fits with everything that came up to that point. And so that's, yeah. that's where I'm feeling that. And it's hard because like, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, rain on anybody's parade, but it's almost like you have to wrestle with the MCU overall and the WandaVision uh, on its own. Yes. And so that's where I'm struggling. And I think you, you mentioned at the top, this is something we'll probably get to in the uh, wrap up episode next week. Yeah. Right. And there's, and that's, and I'm trying to hold back just a little bit because I want to, honestly, I want the time to think about it. Yeah. Going, going into the wrap up episode and, and trying to focus on just this episode as a standalone the best I can because a lot of my wrap up thoughts made me think of myself, how I mm-hmm. participate in a work as a viewer and what are my expectations of the MCU and what does that mean again as my participation as a viewer, especially knowing more Disney Plus shows are coming. Yeah. I'll, I'll say this to wrap up my point because, again, I really <laughs> I hope I'm not pushing anybody uh, to the edge here. But, you know, I led into this with that scene of Wanda and Agatha at the stake. And Wanda says the line, um, you know, the difference between you and me is that you did this on purpose. My notes were in the opposite order, but I went ahead and segued into it because that's where we were. But to me, that line of the difference between you and me is that you did this on purpose. That like that feels like it's a resolution, I mean, a, a resignation of like, oops, this was just an accident. And so is that uh-huh. what, like, is that the story you're telling? Like, yeah, that doesn't feel satisfying to me. I want that to be more of Wanda's resolve than just, you know, this was an accident. You know, and that's interesting because it, it, to play it that way, there was like an intentional I'm going to let you go. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's this realization, because um, because to some degree, it was an accident. Like it wasn't necessarily on purpose, mm-hmm. and trying to rectify that by opening up the hex and letting him run out. It, it's interesting because she also knew in doing that what the cost was, because mm-hmm. she knew what Agatha was trying to do and the power it would take. But she's gonna do it anyways. Mm-hmm. And so in in that moment, you know, there was a weirdness with Hayward there. He's just like, okay, now's the time. Like, how'd you know this was gonna happen? Mm-hmm. I'm assuming he thought Vision did this, got it to where he could come in. Well, maybe you that know? was him thinking Vision neutralized Wanda. Yeah, it could be. It could be that way too. Yeah, but it, it's interesting because, like you you said, you alluded to it earlier where. She was put in a position where the kids and Vision couldn't survive without the Hex. Right. You know, and so it was really a choice of, you know, these people or her family. Mm-hmm. I, to be honest, I can't falter for the choice she made. No. Stopping the Hex. What it wasn't clear is if the people got out and then she closed the Hex. 
I took it as they didn't, just because of how far they would have had to run. <laughs> yeah. Vision can fly, and he was on the outskirts of the five-mile radius, and it took him two episodes to get here. So I don't think the people that were running could make it in the time that the hex is open. But they, they didn't revisit that. They just left it. Yeah. Uh, it was such a split decision on Wanda's part. I think it was, yeah. Because, I mean, they only barely had enough time to get the army vehicles in, and they were they were in cars. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, I will say there's there's an element of it was kind of counterintuitive of Agatha. Like if, if what she needed to drain the power was her to use it, she was doing that. She got her to use it. Why would you point out the loss of vision in the kids and make her stop? The only thing I could think of, because this is what I was talking about, the bargaining chip. The only thing I can think yeah. of is that that Agatha can drain Wanda's power, but maybe that full transition of the Scarlet Witch power only happens if Agatha fully drains Wanda, like she willingly lets it go. And that's why Agatha was like, okay, now that you see your kids can't live outside of this hex, give me your powers and I will let you keep this. Well, I wonder, I wonder if it's, if it had to be choice. What do you mean? Like, 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 is it the case that Wanda would have had to choose to relinquish those powers? And so Agatha needed to put her in a position to willfully give up. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, I, they don't oh, really. Ex- okay, so I, I missed you. <laughs> I, they don't really explain it, but that's just filling in the gaps of maybe in order to get that full Scarlet Witch power. Because they did allude to it with, you know, they're not born, they're forged. Right. So maybe whatever it was happened with that in that interaction with the Infinity Stone, uh, you know, Wanda even says, you know, part of the Infinity Stone is in me. Maybe there is that like full transferal of power that has to happen by choice. Well, okay. Huh. Huh. <laughs> huh. Does that mean it was choice? Like she was open to it and getting the power in the first place from the Infinity Stone? Hmm. Because, I mean, we just took it as like, oh, okay, so she just had something and it got enhanced. And it worked on her because of whatever ability she already had. But it could also have been the openness to receiving it. Like, if you have to have choice to be able to relinquish, like we're saying, are we are we, are we saying that she had to have choice in being able to, to get it in the first place or an openness to it? I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> this was like a rabbit hole. <laughs> to which I say, I don't want to put them on the spot, so I'll just be vague to the... To the person joining us for the wrap-up episode, I hope you're ready <laughs> for rabbit holes. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they will be. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure they will be. Man, you so. really got me there. I'm thinking I'm thinking about that now. I, I mean, because again, it is us just kind of filling in that blanks of you know what it was, what it was that Agatha needed her to do. Yeah. So, you know, we're kind of in this moment. Another thing that I wanted to touch on is once Wanda pulls that gambit, you know, we already talked about it. She uses the ruins to trap Agatha after she drains all her power and they renders them useless. Wanda has a line where she says, I don't need you to tell me who I am. And for everything uh-huh. that I was talking about, how this this doesn't sit right with me because I don't like that. Oops, it was an accident, you know, resolve. This puts me more in that like, OK, I really like this because that line is great. And as much as this show has been exploring how Wanda's trauma has influenced her life, it really feels like in that moment, Agatha becomes the surrogate for all of Wanda's past controlling her because clearly that's what Agatha was trying to do. And right. so being able to say, I don't need you to tell me who I am 
and that's where she reaches her strongest potential so far. I really like, you know, that feels like a summation of everything that's happening in the season of all her past traumas. Yes, they've influenced her, but that doesn't mean that's who she is. Well, you know what? Okay, so it's interesting. I can't wait for my wife to see this episode because she hasn't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and mainly because the way you put it, it's like it pairs up really well with what Monica said about... Like, I wanted to change it, but I can't anymore. I wanted the pain to go away, but I can't anymore because it's my truth. Yes. You know, and and this is her accepting that, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. But, and we talked about this, again, getting into some wrap-up stuff, but but those two very pair well together. But when my wife watched that episode, she found the commercial offensive. The, um, the Nexus commercial. Yeah. And felt like because of the commercial, Monica's line was undercut and no longer powerful. So if that if we're gonna pair those two together of like this is what Monica's saying you need to do and what's helped me, and that's what she's doing here. I'm just curious of I don't know, how well does that resonate if like the person that helped you get there was already undercut, if that's the way you read it. You know, I'll I'll have I have more to say on undercutting and the next important topic. But sticking to here, it's another one of those unresolved threads. We've talked about what is the purpose of the broadcast? What is the purpose of the commercials within the broadcast? And I even mentioned the that that uh, Nexus commercial, it felt like it was on that wrong side of the line to me. And I said the only reason why I was able to come back around is after we had the reveal of it was Agatha all along, I was like, okay, well, clearly Agatha is doing this. That explains the antagonistic side of it. But here we are at the end, and it doesn't seem like we have an answer to what the broadcast was all about. Uh-huh. That now it's back more into what your wife was saying about it being, what did she say it was mean? What did she describe Offensive. It? Offensive. She was offended by it. Yeah. And so, like, maybe that was a, a thin olive branch on my part to say, like, well, if it's coming from the villain, I can maybe see it. But because we don't have an answer for it, I'm kind of back on that maybe it was on the wrong side of things. Well, and... Uh... And what's interesting is for me, what I found that worked about it was taking Nexus and assuming that this was going to break open the multiverse Uh and talking about Nexus as a pathway to the multiverse or Nexus as the connection where things like that happen. Mm -hmm. It could be that this is just where everything came together and where she's at, but if that's the way it's going to be, then I'm kind of with okay maybe that wasn't done as well as i thought yeah and i have to admit my my thought on that would being done well was more attached to oh they're teasing and about breaking out the multiverse right in which case if they're not then i don't know i'd have to go back and watch that episode it might it completely change how i see it now Mm -hmm. again i think we're dancing around how much this wrap-up episode we've got a lot to talk about when we talk about the series as a whole right it's gonna be a long edit it's my turn Awesome. <laughs> it's okay. I love it. So I'm really, I'm actually really excited to get to uh, the undercutting point that your wife brought up. So I, I'll say this. Let's, in an effort to kind of finish out this Wanda versus Agatha thing, I love that they left Agatha around instead of just killing her off. And it feels like yes. the MCU is learning to not kill off their best villains. Uh, well, especially one that they didn't. I feel give enough screen time to. Uh huh. And I'm saying that from a standpoint of a fan of Catherine Hahn. Yeah. And we saw so much of it, of her 
as Agnes compared to Agatha. Right. And even as Agnes... It's in short snippets. Mm-hmm. So I I, re- I sincerely hope this isn't the last we see of her. I don't think it will be, especially the way Wanda was like, well, if I need you, I know where you are. So Right. And she said, you're going to need me. You know, um, she wasn't always... Agatha was in a weird spot in the comics, too. Uh-huh. Like, she was kind of antagonistic, but she was also kind of a mentor. Mm. You know, so she kind of had a foot in both sides of that. You know, slamming your student into pillars kind of mentor. <laughs> oh man okay uh one bring us back in one final thought uh because i i feel like we have to talk about it wanda's new costume looks amazing and i like how it fit into her moment of i don't need you to tell me who i am oh absolutely in in fact i'm gonna be extremely disappointed if we get to dr strange and they like revamp it yeah for the sake of having more funko pops right (laughs) like i no, like i i want more of that one Maybe small tweaks here and there, but the general look I think needs to stay the same. I, you know what? I didn't even go that far. Like I, it just it didn't get enough screen time, you know, to really as good as it was to appreciate it. Like it, that has to stay. It'd be like Daredevil only getting the costume in the second to last episode, <laughs> or even just the last episode. <laughs> That's what happened in season one. That's what I'm saying. We did a whole. That was okay, my joke. I guess it didn't <laughs> land. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Sorry. No, you're fine. So uh, our next important topic is going to be Wanda's reconciliation. This entails everything that happens with Vision and Wanda in the house having their discussion with themselves and with the twins. Wanda talking to Monica as she flies off. All those little interactions at the end. Now, I want to go ahead and jump ahead a little bit because we just talked about the undercutting of Monica and how... Having that commercial undercuts Monica's line about, I know my truth. That's what I take power from, that that line. Uh-huh. I wrote in my notes, I'm not a fan of Monica telling Wanda that given the chance and given Wanda's power, she would bring her mom back too. Uh-huh. It was so impactful and important to Monica's character, not only in her own power manifesting, but reaching out to Wanda for just a few episodes later to have her come back and say, no, I would have done what you did too. And I get you could argue that maybe she's just trying to make Wanda feel better, but it steps on the toes of something that was really powerful. Right. Okay. So yeah, like I'm going to go there with you and agree that I think what they were going for is Monica showing empathy. Yeah. We both have experienced loss and I get Mm -hmm. it, but I also see where you're going with it in the sense of, she had a powerful moment of reconciling that pain and accepting that's part of now who I am. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't take it as undercutting that moment personally, but I, I could, I completely see how that is or could be read as undercutting. Yeah. I think I was okay with it until she, she, cause she says that, uh, this is paraphrasing. If I had your power, I know I would I would bring her back. I know I would. That I know I would part is the last part that kind of gets me at like, uh, you know, again, just stepping on the toes. You know, one of the things I really liked about the ending is that the people in the town were still mad. Yeah. You know, and I know I'm skipping over some stuff and I'm not trying to to rush to the ending, but it's just because you had that conversation where Monica's trying to empathize. And Wanda, but clearly sees and feels the glares, mm-hmm. you know, like there, there's not a, 
it's not a happy no. ending, you know, in, in that way for uh, Wanda. And even with Agatha, she conjures up this imagery where she says, different centuries, same story. There's always going to be people with pitchforks, like for women like you and me, Wanda, alluding to the fact that they're witches and how they'll always be right. ostracized. It really shows in a way that Agatha was right in that Wanda's going to feel alone um, because people aren't going to understand what she can do or is capable of doing. And I think that plays mm-hmm. more into that teetering line of, depending on where where Wanda goes from here, she can really lean into that antagonistic role and fulfill what's supposedly prophesized about her, or hopefully she'll go uh-huh. in that route of learning how to use her powers and we'll see her avoid that prophecy. Hmm. Okay, so my next thought off of what you just yeah. said, I'm going to put a pin in that. Okay. Only because um, I'm afraid of not having stuff to talk about the wrap-up episode. <laughs> um, and where, coming off of this show, where where you take this character yeah. next. Because that's, yeah, and that gives me, see, I got a lot to think about between now and next Friday. It's so weird because I don't think I felt this problem in any of the other episodes because I guess we always had next week to look forward to. But now that we're sitting here with right. all resolutions and everything on the table, it's kind of hard to be like, take it all in in just one, like not even the full day. Yeah. So I do like how they ended it. Like I like how Wanda had the opportunity to make things right, to end it and say her goodbyes. I thought they handled the goodbyes with the kids really well, very delicately. Um, Same thing with vision. I thought they handled that conversation really Mm. well. And, and I love that, that line of where she said, you're my sadness and my hope, but mostly you're my love. And just because it gives kind of that explanation of how she created mm-hmm. vision, the Westview vision and what he was not just in a like physical form, but also what he and who he was to Wanda um, during that time at Westview. I mean, because it was even like it was important to him. He wanted to know because as the red wall was coming down, he turns to her and says, like, Wanda, just one thing. What am I? And that's where they have that conversation. And I really like that, too. I will say I'm genuinely shocked that this show ended with Wanda giving up both Vision and the twins. I was I was really in the camp that one or the other was going to survive. And right. it, it It feels gutsy to me that. I'm almost relatively sure we're going to get the kids back in some form. But the right. pe- well, you know what? I shouldn't be surprised because we talked about this all throughout our podcast before WandaVision. One of the testaments of the MCU is its patience. And so instead right. of just giving us the kids at the end, we're going to have to see uh, Wanda work for it, whatever that entails. So yeah. I guess in a way I shouldn't be surprised, uh, but it, it, it was shocking to me. One of the things that the MCU is good at is patience. Mm-hmm. So my grain of sand still is there. No, no, just kidding. Just kidding. Well, hopefully one of the greatest uh, attributes of the MCU you need to know is the patience of the audience and all the grains of sand that I was holding on to. (laughs) So, no, but but you're right. They do. um, And I think, you know, I think that's part of what fueled some of the speculation is knowing that the patience they have. And another thought I'm wrestling with is... Being, you know, I mean, it's a reality, being kind of starved for Marvel content for a long time. When you consider how fast paced all those movies are coming uh-huh. out towards the end 
and all of a sudden you get something and it's part of a bigger universe and you're trying to put all the pieces together when it's like they play the long yeah. game and you know and so the idea that all of a sudden everything's going to be packed into this season was crazy mm-hmm. but yeah I, I i really liked it i like the walk back i like that she put her hood on you know just again just that whole trying to this it, it was a good moment of like it's just weird like she felt shame for what she'd done but it was also this accepting of why and who she mm-hmm. was and in that same moment you know and it was like i can like monica they won't understand what to give up you know but yeah but they're still mad at me and they still should be mad at me kind of kind of thing which was uh so i i think they they did really well with mm-hmm. that and now, now that i think about it it, it has like a dark knight feel to it where she wasn't the hero they Yeah, deserved. except she... Or whatever that is. Yeah, except that she it, was. Yeah, she caused it. It would be like if Batman yeah. created Joker. <laughs> Didn't he? Not well, <laughs> now if you want to go back to more philosophical. <laughs> but no. So, which ship is the real ship? Ship A or ship B? <laughs> Westview Vision or... See, I think the Westview Vision knew all along he wasn't the real Vision and it wasn't just a trick. But okay, <laughs> we'll but save yeah, it for next like, week. All right. Um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I was thinking more about Batman. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I, I just want to circle back because I really did enjoy the line again with that um, the reconciliation with Wanda and Vision in the house. You know, so much of Wanda's theme this season has been in realizing that truth and learning to let go and accept what has happened. And I like, you know, essentially, if you take vision, Westview vision to be Wanda's conjuring of herself, I like that, you know, it is vision. It has personality because there's superhero element elements to it, too. But I like that it is coming from her, this reassurance of vision saying, I've been a voice with no body, a body, but not human. And now a memory made real. Who knows what I might be next? And I like that it plays into the MCU. And of course, like we said, hold on to your grains of sand. You know, you never know what could happen, but it is that feeling of like, we don't know what comes next. And it's that trust of, you know, to 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 kind of play off what they said last week with what is grief, if not love persevering. It's that your your close ones, their love extends beyond the limits of their existence. And I like that uh-huh. that that was just another way of embodying it in that moment of like, who knows what next what's next. But we had this at least. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. That's it's well that's well said. I like uh that is very well said. Thank you. All right, so I think that's going to wrap up the Wanda's reconciliation section and it's going to bring us to our straight thoughts. And just to be upfront, I think Jude and I, you know, both have come to the realization that we are still wrestling with this episode more so than we have any of the others. So we're going to cover some things here in the straight thoughts and 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 we'll cover things knowing full well that we're going to have a full-on wrap-up episode as we're still digesting everything that this episode gave us. Yeah, I, you're right. This was probably the hardest episode to watch in the morning and turn around and record that evening. Yeah. In the quick, and, and I'm glad we did it and we stuck to it, right? But but just I would like more mm-hmm. to think about and come back next week and, and we'll have that. This is our own teaser. MCU <laughs> machine keeps on rolling to keep you coming back. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so some some cool straight yep. thoughts. Uh, so I thought that was a nice reference to Civil War when she threw the car at her. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was a really cool reference to the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, I like that too. With the boots. Uh, so that was cool. 
I liked, I, I don't know. I was kind of disappointed in Dottie because I expected more out of that character with that reveal. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that's okay. Uh, not as much as other things. Uh, of course, Sorcerer Supreme got a shout out. Uh, the Darkhold got a shout out. Yeah. And when I say a shout out, like it, it was a prominent thing, but when you consider the Darkhold already showed up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, that they're clearly, clearly leaning into even more heavily uh, magical things yeah. with the Darkhold. So that was really cool. Uh, when Vision loses power and the twins start to fall apart uh, visually, that was kind of, I used the term unrendered earlier because it had that digital pixelated you know, cubic look. Yeah. Uh, and that's straight out of the house of in comic stylistically. I thought there was a, I personally took it as an homage to the Quicksilver and days of future past for what Tommy speed did. Oh yeah. Was Tommy speed. Yeah. And in, in terms of like when the military was froze and he went around and took stuff and had the, the, the hat and glasses. Uh-huh. And when you think about days of future past and what, what that Peter did, uh, huh. Uh, using his speed and they had the whole time, you know, the, if I could put time in a bottle song, um, I took that as an homage to that, yeah. which I thought was really cool. His powers um, definitely seem more like the Peter Maximoff than the Aaron Taylor Johnson, Pietro. Yeah. So I can't remember if I said it on pod, but I know I had the thought it made sense that they came back to the runes, the way they, the way they use the runes of wanting not be able to use magic it makes sense. They would circle back to that. Um, I can't remember if I said that on pod or not, that we would see that again. I like that use. And so it, it was kind of weird. So when Wanda was attacking, um, it looked like she was missing sometimes, but then clearly she was missing on purpose to set up the runes. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing, straight thought-wise, well, I feel like, no, not the last thing. About to get the last thing. I feel like Wanda and Monica should and will see each other again. I'm curious, will the people in Westview know Agnes was Agatha now that she's a permanent resident. And I guess Wanda drained her powers back once Agatha tried to do her thing and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that kind of wraps up my my stray thoughts. What about you? So I can segue off what you just said last um, with Agatha. It was something that I was still questioning with where her fate is that Wanda dooms her to be a, the nosy neighbor. Like, this is going to be your role from now on and you will live here. Uh-huh. That felt weird in that... Agatha also states once your spell's cast, it can't be changed, so it will always be broken. Where's Agatha after the hex closes? Is she still under that spell? Or what is right. what does that do? You know, I, I do hope that we see more of the Westview residents and some of the fallout of what happened to them. Maybe that now that I'm thinking about it, maybe that's where a lot of my unsettling feeling in this episode's coming from is that anxiousness of whether or not we'll see any of these plot threads ever picked up again because we're not getting a season two. Um, right. Which leads into my next stray thought. Uh, Wanda never really questions what the heck the white vision was. And I wish we would have oh, seen yeah. that because that's really like that had no she had no expectation of what that was. Right. And so I would have liked to have seen some service to that. Uh, well, no, she said, right. Vision, is that really you? Like there was a recognition that that wasn't the same Westview vision. Yeah. But like that sort of questioning, you would want to know where did that vision go by the end? And there's right, no, 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 right, right. Okay, so I like, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I hope we see that brought up. I'm sure we will, because it does seem like we're now in a world where we have a vision without emotion, and that's probably going to be heartbreaking at some point. And um, 
MCU, always losing super bots. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, straight thought, this was one, something I re- wrote down, but we already tackled it a bit. I I hope at some point, I highly doubt it, we get some sort of clarification on the broadcasting stuff. I know it's a love of Wanda's history with TV. I just wish we'd got a better answer why it was being broadcast. But I guess it could... F- right, like, like you could have the sitcom format without actually broadcasting in a way where others could see yeah and it goes more into that line of like if i'm making my perfect perfect life why do i have a set and audience and all that jazz i think that is what we were talking about maybe suspension of disbelief but uh yeah well and it could be like you were thinking about an sos in a in a weird way subconscious sos yeah yeah well maybe we'll tackle in the uh wrap-up episode but uh yeah that that does it for my straight thoughts You, you covered some of the ones that i had written down written down so uh yeah, I think that's going to do it. Normally, we do predictions, but uh, we got nothing to predict. No, we don't. <laughs> and I, I'm not going to throw anything out there for Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm going to save that. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll definitely be there for that. Yeah. Um, Actually, we were guest on MCU Rewind, and we have our predictions there. And so I'm sure you can go listen to them and hear our predictions there. And I think we're going to, when Falcon and Winter Soldier is over, we'll be back on with them to see what predictions we get right. Yeah. So, of course. Yeah. So go check them out. Yeah. We'll have a link to their show. They, they're they really good people. Uh, they're, they're covering a lot of the Netflix and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that side of the Marvel television, as well as the MCU at large. So very good people. Uh, you should check out their show. Yeah. They just had their 200th episode, so we're working our way to it. Yeah, we're at what, uh, 51 now? This When this drops, it'll be 51. 51. Well, it, yeah. But that includes that includes everything public. Yes, so yes. that includes like like the weird pilot episode one, episode zero, and the bonus episodes. So it's not a year, but one a week. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but it's 51 published podcast we said we'd never bring up the retcon after we settled it and here we are <laughs> <laughs> anyway mc rewind check them out <laughs> okay go ahead <laughs> all right so this is gonna be a hard cut into our straight thoughts we're gonna be completely honest with you we mentioned we are struggling with this episode in a way to process it and digest it because even though we did like it there is a part of us that was still like you said, wrestling with it. In doing so, we completely forgot to talk about <laughs> talk the about index. index. <laughs> so you're going to get this in chronological order, but it should be known we had already wrapped the episode. <laughs> so we're coming back on for this. <laughs> this is a separate recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. essentially, Rob, we're so sorry you called us professional. Um, yeah. We're going to do better. <laughs> When we get 10 years experience, (laughs) we won't, you know, forget an entire part of our outline. Oh, man. (laughs) So uh, basically what we're coming back on, uh, we have two in tags for this episode. And so I'll briefly outline them that we can jump into them. The first one we have is Monica being called away into a theater where it is revealed that there is a scroll that is inviting her up to space by pointing to it and saying that someone wants to speak with her. Assuming, actually, I can open this up up this to you. Was it Nick Fury or was it Talos? I I assume Nick. Yeah? I assume Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I guess it has to be because at this point, Talos would have been in Far From Home. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, so. I, completely, I completely assumed Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, like, I was a little disappointed in this intag. Um, and not in a like, oh, I'm wrestling with the the episode way of like, 
Now that should have been Nick Fury. Yeah. You know, and it just felt because I, okay. So I realized they're setting her up and secret invasion up. Uh-huh. Right. I realize that, but it just feels what I don't want them to do. Like I loved it with Talos of Nick Fury. And it's like, Oh wow. That was Talos. Right. But when it's a scroll that we don't know who it is, it feels a little lazy to just be like, Oh, it's a scroll. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, when that should have been Nick, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause, cause you mentioned that, but like we discussed this timeline wise, this takes place before far from home. So it's not a far reach of fury. Hasn't gone up to space yet. Yeah. And so in, in that way, we should have seen fury in, in some way. Cause it's to me, it just felt kind of lazy just to like, Oh, it's a scroll. And what a great way that the first thing in this next saga ends with a post credit with Nick Fury 2, like the first one did, if it right. would have done that. Yeah. 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 I will say this. I think you're touching on something that is going to be really interesting to see them try and tackle. You talked about like it feels lazy if it's a scroll because we have no attachment to them. You know, I had people that were speculating whenever we finally got that pullback view of S.W.O.R.D., and WandaVision where we saw they were observing from the outside and they were like, well, how many people do you think are scroll right now? And I said, uh, it's a possibility, but I don't see the storytelling significance of any of them being scrolls because we don't know any scrolls at this point. And so what reveal are you going to give us where it's like, Oh, that person's going to be a scroll this whole time. And neither did we know any of those, those people aside from Monica and Darcy that, how do you make that satisfying? without ripping away an established character. Right. And so, like the Talos one, we know Talos. Yeah. So that's what made it satisfying. Even this, if they would have made it Talos's daughter, and you have kind of a reunion moment, you know, this is Talos's daughter grown up, and it's a reunion moment for Talos's daughter, Monica, I think that would have been more satisfying. Because mm-hmm. you know who that is. Yeah. And so that that's why I was just kind of like, eh. I think it, it, it is like... Man, I, it's I'm, there's a dual nature of an MCU fan. There's a the, the fan that's like, yeah, MCU, give me more. And then there's more of the the side of like, okay, I guess more is coming. And it's just like, I don't know. It's uh, it's hard for me yeah. to reconcile. Like, yeah. I, it's so, cool, right? And I'm excited for Secret Invasion, but at the same time, <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't know if they've laid enough groundwork yet for it. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll put a pin on that one and let's move into the second end credit, which is we see that Wanda is isolated in a cabin, uh, kind of in the middle of nowhere, a very scenic area with some mountains and a lake. And she seems to be enjoying a cup of tea out on her front porch. As the camera moves past her into the house, we see she is reading the Darkhold in a very Stephen Strange-esque astral projection way. And... It ends with her hearing the pleas for help from her children. See, now this is what I find. I like this in tag a lot more. Um, a couple of things. It was like, uh, hey, was this Hulk's at the, the, end of the end of Incredible Hulk? Was this his cabin? Just oh wow, that, that thought came to mind. But I keep hearing and seeing about the astral plane. I didn't take that. I, I almost felt like, because she looked like to me, and I need to watch this in tag again, I guess, and think about it. She almost looked like she was trapped. Or like, hmm. like, and just because when you, when the Doctor Strange in the astral plane, you get kind of a translucent and she was completely solid. Like you didn't, there, she wasn't translucent. You couldn't see through her. Mm-hmm. So in, in that way, I didn't get the sense that it was, I didn't take it that way in the astral plane until other people started saying that. 
Yeah. Now uh, she is more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme, so yeah, maybe she can yeah. stay solid. <laughs> yeah. And so what I'm what I'm curious about, we hear we hear the boys, the twins' voice. So clearly, well, maybe not clearly, but we hope. I hope that we're going to see them again in some way. But I do fear that. And this is what I one of the things I said I'd put a pin on. If she multiverse of madness rips open the multiverse by bringing her kids back, to what extent are we undoing the lessons learned mm-hmm. of WandaVision? I'm not saying they can't bring the kids back, but I think they have to do it right. Otherwise, yeah. it's like you just undid everything we just saw. And I think that leads into exactly what I'm feeling, the duality of the MCU fan, where... Again, we already talked about how Monica feels like she gets undercut with the like, oh, I'd bring my mom back too if I could. Right. Even if you look past that, you know, Wanda's like, okay, I, you know, I've learned, I made a mistake. I'm letting go of the things that I need, thought I needed. Cool. In credit. Oh no, I'm learning how to bring them back. And so it's like, right. it's this whiplash of you can tell your your contained story and it resonates and it's great, but we're always going to run into this problem where you need to set up the next thing. And so is this the nature of the beast of the MCU where resolutions are going to be fleeting? Or is there a better way to tell your resolution and your your lead-ins into the next project that doesn't feel like it steps on what you just went through? Well, I think that I think the latter, because I think they've done it time and time again mm-hmm. throughout the Infinity Saga. That makes me want to go back, maybe a potential episode topic rank the in credits not necessarily in how cool they are but how they fit with moving forward the story well and what we don't know and i'd be curious is this an in credit the kind that we said we don't like in that it's just a scene from the movie thrown in or is it really something extra they shot my guess would be something extra because I think the only thing it would tie into is Doctor Strange and I don't think they've started filming Doctor Strange yet or are close to starting. Yeah, I uh, I got to double check. Uh-huh. But I think at least from I think they have started production. They have. I think so. I'd have to double check, but from when they would have No, I mean it's probably not that hard of an edit to drop that in. Mhm. You know, but I think they have. Um we're both just started looking. <laughs> yeah, like I'm looking it up. January 6, 2021, Doctor Strange 2 filming on hold, says Elizabeth Olsen. Uh, in late March pre-production. So yeah, so it's seeing the show. But I feel like they started. Yeah. I, I feel like they started back up again. I just can't remember when. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, filming on hold, January 6th. Time will tell. Yep. No, okay, so this one says Doctor Strange 2 stops filming during lockdown 3. So I th- I'm going to go with its extra. Okay. Well, now we got our, uh, you know what? We talked about not having predictions. I think we just got our predictions. Will we see this scene in Doctor Strange 2? <laughs> I say no. Uh, I say no. Wait, I thought you just said yes. No, I said I said it's extra. Oh, okay. It's not okay. for the movie. It's Never not mind. for the movie. It's extra. We're on the same page. Never mind. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. And with that, let's roll the end. <laughs> I think that's going to do it for this episode. So if you have any ideas or stray thoughts on this WandaVision episode, or you know what? I'm going to throw this out there too. If you want to throw in some of your thoughts for us to tackle in the wrap-up episode, we'd love to hear what you think, which you can always reach us at MCU Need to Know on Twitter and Instagram. Or if you'd like to join our Discord, we have a link to it in our description below. And if you don't mind, give us a rating review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, the feedback really tremendously helps us. Uh, we want to put out a good product for you, the listener, and anything we can get back from you is a tremendous help. Um, even you know, even positive feedback, we're you know, 
love it. Uh, positive, negative, let us hear it. Help us get better. And sharing with a friend is the best way to help us get better. We'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work linked in his SoundCloud in our description. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you all for listening, and thank you for doing this, Jude. Thank you, Trey. We will see you all next week. Because, like, clearly he didn't know about Agatha. Yeah. And now I'm trying okay, to think. Hang on. What's that? Amity's coming in the closet. Oh. And she's saying, shh, I'm not here. <laughs> she's not here. Shh. She's gone. She was never here. Yes. How could she be gone? There's your ship of... <laughs> There's a ship of thesis. <laughs> <laughs> A thesis. It's Theseus. Theseus. I know. I, I keep wanting to say. Plutarch and Hobbes are rolling in their grave. Okay. <laughs> I only have Philosophy 101, so my only other philosophy knowledge comes from a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Depending on the podcast, it's good good knowledge. <laughs> I'm definitely trying to remember the name. It doesn't matter. Um. All right. Where were we? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I I made the thing about but Hayward did she, he did, clearly didn't know about Agatha. Gotcha. Okay.